Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Welcome, IronRadio.org listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I'm a nutritionist, and I'm an exercise phys professor, and I'm a bodybuilder. Hey, folks. Rob Fortress Fortney. I'm a journalist, former editor at Muscle International, former competitive bodybuilder and powerlifter. Phil's not on today. No, no Phil. And I'm barely on. (laughs) Yeah, you're not doing too well. I'm barely on. Yeah, folks. uh, Lonnie's toughening up for for all you people. The show must go on. Almost go on, yeah. All right. Well, we have some news, right? Um, Well, I mean... Just like in-house kinds of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you want me to go first? Yeah, go ahead. Strength and Muscle Sport News. All right, well, no, I just want to say, uh, you know, we get lots of emails now, but I got a nice one from Jeremiah Johnson, I believe his name is. Just want you guys to know I got my lifting buddies hooked on your show. I made seven or eight of them listen to your podcast and leave reviews to help with your iTunes rating. Oh, yeah. Well, that thing help, helps you guys. Well, yeah, it does help us. So as we've told you guys in the past, uh, you know, the more listeners we have, the more people that make comments like that on those rating systems and so forth, the, right. the better it is for us. So, yeah. Hey, Rob, I, I will say this. Yeah. I, I noticed an iTunes review recently, and he's got a point. So I'm, gonna, I'm just going to you know, be very upfront with it. He's like a little – he goes, I really like what you guys have to offer or something along those lines, but – Dude, a little bit too much of, you know, you young whippersnapper, 20-year-old, blah, blah, blah. And so I'm like, well, I think he's probably got a point. We probably are a little salty, but I think uh, <laughs> what what, what uh, listener, you, I, I hope you can recognize is we see a lot of people on forums that you can just tell have not been around the block. And they assume the role of expert, and they do a lot of damage. And they usually they think they've got a good beat on things. But it's sort of like that old phrase, you know, oh, to be 16 again and to know it all. Yeah. You know, yeah. and so you will get a little bit of us of that from us. So I, I admit it. You know. Uh, yeah. No, I, I can see. I can see that that uh, that criticism for sure. Well, we're war scarred veterans, you know, but it doesn't mean that we don't like the young guys. We're doing this to help guys. Oh who, yeah, you know, yeah. There's getting it's, rolling. There's no, there's no question. We're here for you know the, the guys who are 19 as much as we're here for the guys who are 40 and and 60 for sure. Well, but what I was you say, say a big impetus. I know for you too, Rob, and I'm sure for Phil is I don't want to see young guys go through the waste uh, and wheel spinning that I did. You know, I was spending huge amounts of money on dietary supplements that don't work. You know what I mean? I was wasting my time with uh, all kinds of crazy lifting programs and things like that. And, you know, it was very trial and error for me back then. I was relying on muscle magazines. And when I went to college and then grad school and then more grad school for this kind of stuff – you know, I thought, well, I'm just going to, you know, give this information to people so they don't have to do that nonsense. Yeah. And, and that's that, that's what I've always maintained about the internet is, you know, for every bit of great information and it, it being such an amazing source of, you know, education and information for people, there's also that, you know, the other half, which is what you were saying there, Lonnie, the whole idea that. You know, there's so many people out there that, you know, it just gives a voice to everybody, you know, so not only the people that actually have something worthwhile to say, you know, based on experience and, 
you know, and education and all that type of thing, but also gives a voice to the people who are essentially know-nothings. That's how I refer to them, know-nothings who, you know, who just right. think, but who like to think that they know what they're talking about. And it could just as well be a middle-aged guy that's in that category as well. It, so, it, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, it's worth saying, you know, uh, you know, point well taken. I mean, let's face it, you know, I'll call a spade a spade. Yep, I'm probably a little bit like that. Partly because of what I've seen in my experience, but I think the Iron Brotherhood's really—you've got to have the young warriors too. You can't just have the war scarred veterans, you know. You got to oh, have yeah, the young no, guys we... kicking some butt too. Oh yeah, no, like I say, it's—we're uh, <clears throat> here for the young guys too, because like I mean, you know, you started at how old were you? Thirteen or fourteen? Yeah, thirteen. I was fifteen, so yeah, well, you know, so everybody's got to start somewhere. It's just that it's important for young guys to have a certain degree of. Well, it's important for everybody to have some, you know. Humility. Well, that's right. In fact, our <laughs> topic mean, today, if I can just share this, uh, was really brought to me by um, a 30-something, so, you know, almost middle-aged guy. Uh, you know, and he, he needed uh, knowledge just like a younger guy might, and he swung by my office, and we had a nice little chat. And the point being is uh, we're going to do a show on typical mass gain and fat loss foods. So, in fact, one step further – just to point people, at the top of the page on ironradio.org, there's a link for articles. Go harvest those. Like one of them is called the Basic Foods List, and that's one of the things I'm going to work from today. And there's also um, something called AM and PM Recipes, and it's literally taking the foods list and build them into recipes. And I, you know, I, even further, I can also tell you that I tweet what I eat, so to speak. So I food blog, and I'll actually show pictures of these kinds of things. There's pictures in this recipe file uh, in the article library on ironradio.org. So that's what we're going to talk about, basic foods, what, what's very common with bodybuilders and how that contrasts with powerlifters or other kinds of strength athletes, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, you know, what's good, what, what's, what's sort of the basic um, armory, you know, of foods that we often choose from. Yeah. So a little bit of maybe more of a basic show, but I'm going to throw some science in while we're at it to try to, um, you know, perk it up a little. Yeah. Before we get to that, I just wanted to, I had a, a kind of a personal gripe I wanted to throw out there. And uh, my gripe this week, and I, I've got a lot of them, I suppose, but <laughs> lately it seems in my gym I've gotten endless comments week in and week out from guys, young guys, who would come in. Well, here you go. Yeah, well, I, well right? I know. I, as soon as I said that, I knew that you'd call me out on that. But but it is, right? And you get these guys who are like, oh, uh, don't you, you know, wrap it? Because in the, our gym, we have two or three of those, like, big uh, foamy things that you wrap with uh, around the bar with uh, Velcro. Yeah. Like a big pad. Almost like you'd put on a bicycle handlebars or something. Exactly. Or, you know, mm-hmm. big, thick son of a bitches. Anyway, so, you know, and all these people use it, and people keep commenting me to me, oh, you, you don't use this thing? Doesn't that hurt? And that's what I always get. Doesn't that hurt? And this is starting to kind of, and just yesterday, I'm only bringing this up because it just happened again just yesterday. I was squatting, and I had, you know, like 515 on the bar or something like that. I was just sitting between sets, and. Oh, and some young guys beside me. Oh, doesn't that hurt? And I was just like, you know, I, I got to bring this up on the show. I thought to myself because I don't know. It, it just it just seems to me like like so many people now don't get the whole idea of discomfort in, in resistance training anymore. I mean, I mean, it's, that's just part and parcel yeah. of the whole thing. I mean, now bear in mind, I did work with these guys a little bit because as I found, you know, most of those guys, these guys were like riding the bar. Like was so high up on their neck, it was like on that mm. you know, that mm-hmm. what, what is that bone there, Lonnie? That that big protruding one there but 
you know, and so I had them drop the bar a little bit, but they're still bitching and moaning about how it hurts and stuff. And I'm like, you know what? Like, I mean, I can't, I can remember pretty much for the first seven years of my training, like every time I'd come home after squats and get in the shower, you know, you'd look at, you know, you'd look at across that part of your back and you'd have that red line. Yes, and, I was just going to mention that, yeah. You know, and sometimes it would be, and obviously that would get more and more pronounced the more, <laughs> the stronger you got and the more weight you were putting on the bar. Um, you know, and sometimes it would break, you know, and you'd have some, you know, some mild blood and stuff like that. But, you know, I mean, certainly it doesn't do that at all for me anymore. I haven't had that happen in 10 or 12 years. Right. But no, I would thing, think it's fairly like, common to have a red line across your traps. Sure. I mean, I regularly do, I think. Oh, yeah, you know? okay. But, 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 I mean, the point being is, I mean, it's it's like, it, it just strikes me as odd because it's like, you know, you deadlift, you're going to get, you know, calluses, and they're going to probably, you're going to probably, you know, bust them open once in a while. If you, I mean, all these things, it's just... Um, and I'm, I'm not trying to try to suggest that you know I'm the toughest sob on the planet. All these guys are wimps. What I'm trying to say is, it just it just to me is kind of like on that continuum of people not really wanting to suffer in any way. You know what I mean? You, you kind yeah. of know what I'm saying? It's like yeah. I said to the guy. I said, you know, like doesn't it hurt my back? I said, hell yeah, it does. But the thing is, you know, if I mean, you have four or five hundred pounds in your back and you're doing reps, I mean, it's like you, you, well, you're sure not thinking about it I was gonna, when you're under the bar. <laughs> exactly, what I was thinking. That's exactly what I said. I said, you know, like if you know, you're not thinking about that. I mean, you have to accept a certain degree of discomfort when you're right. doing these types of things. Well, just like you'll see, you'll get a little bit of, um, you know, black and blue marks around your knees from your knee wraps or even your belt. You know, sometimes I'll crank my belt so tight. Now I don't, I don't actually usually wear a, a power type belt. I just wear the old bodybuilder style brown leather belt but you know it's the same kind of thing it's afterwards sometimes it does surprise me the adrenaline gets flowing and you know it's it, you're in the heat of battle and you're just not thinking about how your armor fits yeah <laughs> you know so, I mean? and so i was working with these guys but of course i was throwing some you know kind of like funny things to them saying you know the, the big thing resembling a big tampon and stuff and all that kind of stuff but but ultimately yeah. of course i i always do why and you've seen me lonnie i mean i i make fun of people but i ultimately always trying to help them so i was you know, so five minutes I spent with these guys trying to drop the bar a bit and find the sweet spot there on their back and, you know, help them with things like that. And, it's and you know, when I left them, they actually weren't using it. So that, that actually made me kind of happy. But, yeah, again, it just, like I said, it's, it's not necessarily that specifically. It's just, again, a small thing that points to a bigger picture. I agree, Rob. Let me tell you, let me, this is an a example, is I've, I've been flying around a lot the last six months or so. You have, yes. And, uh, it always, it's really started to irk me that everybody is telling me to sit back, re- relax, <clears throat> and I'm like, what if I don't want to sit back and relax? You know what I mean? I mean, it, it's just like <laughs> you said, it's it's part and parcel of the culture. Everybody should be air conditioned, comfy, zero effort, zero you know discomfort, and I mean. I think about like William Shatner's character in Star Trek once. He said something like, I like my pain. I want my pain. I'm defined by my pain, you know. And I mean, <laughs> right. it's not saying I want to be uncomfortable when I fly, but it's just that kind of wimpy, pacifying, you know, sit back, relax. That's all anybody ever does anymore. That's why we all look like hell and we can't even get out of our own way. We're so out of shape. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, yeah, and, and that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, when, you, when you walk into a gym, you know, and you're going to be doing some weight training again. It just would. It, it seems to me that I mean, when I when I began weight training, I, I I always assumed, you know, that there would always be a, a level of discomfort in every session, whatever it came from. And 
you know, so that that whole thing was, is very foreign to me when I hear that, you know, yeah. and I, it's, it's, again, and I, it seems to be the topic of the day, but especially from young guys, I think, come on, man, like, you know, you're 20 years old. <laughs> I mean, yeah, maybe there's, they just could use a frame of reference about what's, what's okay discomfort and then what's, what's bad levels of pain. Yeah. You know, yeah. because see, these are also the kind of guys, and we all know these kind of guys, you know, we, we, oh, I can't squat because i got a bad back. Oh, i got a bad knee. I mean, everybody. Well, especially guys. leg work. Yeah, lots of excuses there. Oh, my God. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's rampant. I mean, even to this day, i got guys in the gym coming up to me saying, I'll be like, oh, geez, I never see you doing uh, legs. Oh, yeah, I, I, I don't do legs, or I stopped doing legs a year ago, or I just never get around to it. And these guys are guys that are consistently in the gym. Yeah, I'm thinking, what the hell, man? Like, all right, let's let's keep. Yeah, on. let's move on. <laughs> We're so, being salty now. So, so yeah, um, that's Iron Radio unapproved. 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 Right, not let's, approved. Let that bar sit on your back, boys. And Lose your spongy, yeah, Olympic. Hey, bar my ex fiance used to squat around 300 pounds without a bar on her back. So, you know, suck on that, guys out there who want to use like <laughs> pads on your back. Yeah. All right. Oh, and one more bit here before I think we'll go to break early and then we'll come back with our topic of the day about the, you know, the basic foods list about mass and mass gain and, and fat loss. But um, we're going to start a spring uh, supporting members drive, everyone. Uh, we, we really need to move in this direction because as our bandwidth increases and we continue to grow and we're very grateful for that. Uh, it's going to become more expensive for us to keep pumping out iron radio. We don't want anybody to click a link and say bandwidth has been exceeded or something like that. Yeah. So we're going to just look for, um, if we can, let's say during the month of April, if we can get five supporting members at $4 per month. Again, we have to run this almost like a public radio kind of format, but if we can get five members, I will send you uh, gifts. So uh, I've still got some mugs here. I've got some very cool textbooks, and especially with today's topic, it's almost thematic, but... You could learn an awful lot from an entry-level nutrition textbook, which is why I like to give them away, because oftentimes I'll, I'll talk to people, and they have fairly advanced knowledge on very specific topics, but they don't have much foundation under it. And then they make, you know, sort of um, blunders or, you know, boo-boos, mistakes about some of the basic stuff. I'm like, oh, okay, you need to go back and you need to get down, you know, lay a foundation before you, you know, reach for the stars here. So, yeah. um Anyway, so books and mugs coming your way uh, if you decide to, you know, step up for some better Internet programming. We have quite a few people doing it already, and we're very grateful for them. They keep us on the air. And like I said, with our growth and our bandwidth numbers getting bigger and bigger, we need to support that. So, And plus, plus we all have very kind of luxurious lifestyles. So. <laughs> right, like we're taking any of them. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, actually, Phil's using some of that money. That's why he's not on. He's, he's off in Hawaii right now. <laughs> <laughs> he's on the beach laughing, listening to this. <laughs> okay. All right, we'll be back in just a moment. Hi, this is Dr. Lonnie Lowry, and on behalf of Phil and Rob, I'd just like to let listeners know that if you love us or you hate us, We'd like you to leave a comment or perhaps vote for us on iTunes. It helps us out quite a bit on the popularity side of things. Uh, you can also follow uh, Dr. Lowry, me, on Twitter. Uh, it's Lawnman7 on Twitter if you want to do that. We also have a Facebook page, the Iron Radio uh, listeners page. So uh, whether it's leaving a comment or voting for us or following us on Twitter or Facebook, 
uh, that would be fantastic. Also, uh, occasionally Rob or myself will write an article for another website, and Phil will as well. So lots of ways to um, interact, uh, follow us in other media, and vote for us and uh, keep things going strong on Iron Radio. Thanks. This is Jim, owner of the longest locally owned gym in Winona, the Boardwalk, which I'm proud to say now has the most variety of cardiovascular machines. Our latest addition, four new lifetime ellipticals, easy on the joints, low impact on the knees, while getting a full body workout at our same unbelievable low prices. Only at the Boardwalk, with an alive sound system, we're not just a gym, we're an experience. Fix of Iron Radio. In addition to being a popular institute on iTunes, we are also on email. Simply go to www.ironradio.org and sign up for the voluntary email. You'll get a once per week email, no more, that's little more than the show notes and a link to the audio. So go for it. All right, your determined hosts are back. Bacterial assault on the nasal passages notwithstanding. <laughs> yeah. Uh, today's topic is, um, you know, sort of the basic foods list for uh, gain and loss. And I, again, this was um, partly brought up because of uh, uh, a conversation that I had over at the university, but we've also had other people sort of alluding to this, even on our Facebook uh, listeners page. Uh, that they're interested in how you actually, let's say, get ripped or, you know, how you put on mass without just throwing a spare tire around your midsection. So I thought what we would do is we're going to go to our own article archives, uh, and you can do that just on ironradio.org. If you click articles at the top, there's a bunch of free stuff there. And one of them is called the basic foods list, and there's another one that's uh, morning and evening recipe ideas that sort of put the basic foods list to work. And I thought what I would do first here is let me just read you down this list of about 20 or so foods. I'm not going to touch on all of them, so let's say maybe 15 of these. And uh, these are typical foods that people will eat for health purposes when they're trying to mostly control their weight. Uh, and But some of these are weight gain foods too. And then, of course, Rob, who's been a power lifter and a bodybuilder, uh, you know, will be invaluable. He can sort of uh, say, you know, this is where power lifters don't care. And, you know, this is where they, they would be similar, things like that. So basic foods list. One of the common foods is going to be oatmeal. And I think if you're dieting, oat bran is a good substitute. You can make sort of like a cocoa wheats with chocolate po- protein powder and things like that. But I've, I've had oat, oatmeal, a bowl of oatmeal every morning for literally every morning for minimum 12, 15 years. I agree with that. Me too. I have oatmeal and berries. Like literally. I always yep. have a bowl of oatmeal. So <laughs> It's funny. I have oatmeal, berries, and I'll throw in a scoop of whey or a whey casein blend. Uh, yeah. And it's. I was actually draw, uh, taken aback a little. Last year, there was somebody on a forum. They're like, oh, you put vanilla protein in your oats and berries? Gross. I'm like, why is that gross? You know, berries and cream kind of thing. I, it seems no, you okay know, to me. You know what's gross? is making a protein shake with a can of tuna and egg whites. That's gross. That's gross. <laughs> okay, look, when it comes to gross, when it comes to this kind of thing, Longy and I are the chiefs of this. We've been around long enough. We've tried every contraption, every protein mix conceivable, and I've had 
some pretty heavy, heavily bad concoctions in the world. That's funny you bring that up, Rob, yeah. because eggs and tuna are both on our basic foods list. And there was a time when I was in grad school in San Diego, I, I was broke, I didn't have protein powder, and with water and cans of tuna, I tried to make tuna shakes. I barely choked them down. I mean, I was literally gagging. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's brutal. I remember I threw a couple cans of tuna in an apple. Oh, God. and I, I mean, I, I, you know, I so have a, bad. I'm kind of, you know, to refer to the, the, the Rambo first blood movie, you know, I, I kind of can't eat most things that a Billy Goat can eat, but that had fortress heaving. Oh yeah. I was, <laughs> yeah, I was heaving with the, with the tuna shakes. So not iron radio approved. Don't try the tuna shakes people. <laughs> and I say shakes in quotations because damn. <laughs> and if you can get it down. Make sure your buddy videotapes it and sends it. Sends yeah, it make sure he gets you dry heaving after you chug it. That's not good. Okay, For, uh, just as we go down the list here, um, whole fruits I think are a good idea. Now, if you're really trying to control your body fat, like you have a target weight t- uh, diet, like a, a pre-competition bodybuilder or something, I don't think I'd be you know wolfing down bushels of bananas and washing them down with quarts of orange juice or something like that. But again, orange juice is a juice. So whole fruits, in general, you know, friendly things. Uh, sometimes uh, students or other people will ask me, well, don't those have fructose? I thought fructose was bad. Well, I agree. I've actually done grand rounds at hospitals showing doctors why fructose is so lipogenic. It actually turns into fat in the body. You can actually give people a very high fructose meal uh, that's fat-free, and you do blood draws every 15, 20 minutes, and it literally looks like they ate fried chicken. Your liver will turn that into fat. Really? Fructose is, and not only that, it gums up all the proteins in your body. It's called a, a glycating agent. Uh, it, it bypasses a lot of the control steps in your normal carbohydrate metabolism. I'm not going to bore people with talk of PFK and you know these different enzymes, but the point being is not good in general, but there are other things in whole fruits, um, phytochemicals, healthy antioxidant plant chemicals, vitamins, minerals, things like that, and whole fruits slow you down. You know, it, I'm not talking about, I mean, imagine like how quickly you could chug a, a quart of uh, apple juice, but you would slow down after three or four apples, I can guarantee, you yeah. know. Well, so, I remember you once saying to me, Lonnie, about the whole idea, and certainly when I used to be more, um, you know, bodybuilding-centric, I used to always be aware of the idea of, you know, the simple sugars and fruit. So I used to limit them. I don't obviously limit them as much as I used to, but certainly I've never been a huge fruit guy. But yeah, I mean, I definitely have at least a banana a day and that type of thing. And oh yeah, I know you like banana on your oats. And yeah, stuff. like I, I've been eating one or two bananas a day for decades. And right. you know, certainly if there, you know, berries once in a while, like you say, I'll throw out some blueberries or something. But yeah, I mean, it, you, you want to keep that moderated to a degree. But I, what I was saying originally here is I remember you, Lonnie, once telling me, you know, the whole idea about, yeah, you go into a, what people don't realize is you go to a restaurant, even in your own house, and you pour yourself a glass of orange juice, you know, and, and how many oranges probably that is. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's one thing to heat a, a real orange in real time. And it's another thing to pour, you know, you go to most restaurants now and you, oh, give me a, you know, Give me a glass of orange juice. And- this is along the lines of what we were saying about societies become so soft. I mean, where in nature, if you think about sort of as human beings evolved, I don't want to go all paleo on everybody, but, you know, where in nature can you easily consume 100 grams of sugar, you know, in liquid form? You can't, you know. It would take you ages to squeeze those oranges yourself, mm-hmm. uh, you know, or grapefruit or whatever, you know, and especially now because most um, – 
beverages are just that. They're drinks or beverages, and they're only about 5% juice anyway. But even if they were whole juice, I wouldn't be a big fan, really. So, well, and, and since, I mean, I have a glass of orange juice every morning. That's also part of my breakfast every morning. But since you told me that, Lonnie, I think it was like six or seven years ago, I can honestly say since that time, I pour like a half a glass now. Specifically because yeah. Lonnie, well, I think you go for the fruit or yeah, a reasonable amount of fruit juice like that for the phytochemical content and some of the vitamins and things like that. I mean, there are things in berries, for example, that could be neuroregenerative. Well, that would sound attractive even to a power lifter, I would think, you know, sure. and things like that. So you're going after for the chemical content, you know, the healthy right. colors. And again, I don't mean like Lucky Charms red number five and blue number, you know, <laughs> seven or whatever, but real colors, you know, like the, you know, the carotenoids and the anthocyanins and, you know, these natural colors that have um, beneficial effects on the body. Mm-hmm. Um, if we continue down this list, one of the things that I have on here that's a little controversial is sometimes I'll actually have stuff like 100% whole wheat uh, tortillas or Triscuit-type crackers with, you know, some, uh, you know, cheese or, or meat on them somehow uh, as sort of a snack. Some people are very against grains, and honestly, I think grains are grossly overdone in this country, and I don't want to go on about it, but grains are the only thing that's basically cheap enough, corn and wheat in North America, more like rice in Asia. But these are the only things that really are cheap enough to feed billions of people. Yeah. So, you, you know, you've got to keep that in mind, you know, or, you know, uh, hundreds of millions of people. You're, if everybody ate skinless, boneless chicken breasts and non-starchy veg, it wouldn't be sustainable. So, but the good news is, as people in the know, we can take advantage of this and go in a direction opposite of everybody else and say, well, I am going to eat lean meats and, and fruits and vegetables, you know, and not try to fall for this commercialism like, oh, it has eight grams of whole grain per serving. Well, A, who cares? You know, B, look at the fiber content. You know, because that's what you really want. You don't want something with just a little dab of a whole grain because unless you're eating exclusively sugar and refined white bread, you know, that little dab of a whole grain is barely a step in the right direction even for those people. So yeah. for most people, I would say limit the breads and the pastas if you want to control your body fat. Um, if you want to gain weight that, you know, like, you know, you're off-season bodybuilder or you're a powerlifter, maybe you do take in the pasta. You know, you bring in, you know, the pizza. Rob, I know you like the grease wheels. You, you bring in the calories because carbs and fats are your fuel source. Yeah. So if you keep protein fairly constant, and I've got some uh, – science to share with you about protein, and you keep your fats, you know, roughly constant, maybe not quite as constant as protein, then, you know, carbs are what go up and down when you want to gain or lose mass. So just something to think about. Yeah. No, and, and, and further to your point about past and stuff, I think, you know, um, very specific heavy strength trainers are much less likely to, you know, um, try to avoid you know, starchy carbs and so forth, because, I mean, you know, through all the years I've heard, I mean, if there's one constant I, I notice amongst, the, you know, these legends of strength, guys like from Bill Kazmaier to, you know, all those types of guys, is that, you know, they never shied away from that heavy, heavy starchy carb type of stuff. Right, especially the typical bodybuilder type foods like brown potatoes, sweet potatoes, brown rice, right. you know. Right. These things have have some value. In fact, before I go on, I'll share a couple of studies with you about brown rice. If anybody's like, oh, come on, guys, this is too basic for me. Well, bear with us because not everybody is as savvy. So here's one. This is a 2011 paper, Physical Changes in White and Brown Rice During Simulated Gastric Digestion. 
And I've actually seen some of these simulated gastric digestion devices. They're very big. And you put, you know, essentially a food item in one side and first they bathe it in acid like your stomach might. Then, they, you know, gets a blast of bicarbonate like your pancreas might, you know, and, and they basically look at it break down. But here they use magnetic resonance imaging to look at the diffusion of the gastric juice into the rice kernels. I mean, these, you know, these food technology people, food science people are really uh, going overboard here. Um, the results indicate that the bran layer on brown rice had a profound effect in digestion as it inhibited the absorption of moisture and acid, leading to decreased breakdown uh, and delaying the disintegration of the rice and slowing the emptying of the rice out of the gut. So it says practical application. The study presented in this paper focused on how the structural differences in white and brown rice affect gastric digestion. So anyway, it looks like a, a, a slower, less efficient kind of um, digestion, which is what you would want with the brown rice. That's... Um, Kong and colleagues, Journal of Food Science 2011. And I got one other about round rice. This one was circulating around uh, from Joey Antonio, who we've had on the show. Dr. Antonio is an exercise phys and sports nutrition guy. Uh, this is Journal of uh, Agricultural Food Chemistry. This is a 2011 paper. This is very interesting, I think. Lower weight gain and <coughs> excuse me, hepatic liver content in hamsters fed high-fed diets, but supplemented with white rice protein, brown rice protein, soy protein, and their hydrolysis. A hydrolysis is just a partly pre-digested version. So let me cut to the chase here. Uh, again, these are hamsters, yes, but it's interesting to look at this data. They are mammals like we are. The brown rice protein hydrolysis, so the pre-digested brown rice protein diet, um, reduced weight gain 76% compared with the control. Animals fed the brown rice uh, protein, uh, also had lower final body weight, liver weight, um, very low density lipoprotein cholesterol and liver cholesterol, and they had higher fecal fat, which means they weren't absorbing as much fat. So that's very interesting. 2011 paper by Zhang and colleagues. It's a Chinese paper. but So more indication that these traditional foods, like the brown rice that you so often see in the uh, you know, bodybuilders eating, uh, interesting stuff. And this is, the, this is actually the protein fraction of that. So it'd be interesting to start to see brown rice proteins. Um, you know, there's not a ton of protein in rice, as people know. It's usually the carbohydrate. You know, people consume it because it's a little bit slower acting. But even some of the proteins in the brown rice may be may be handy. So, uh, so anyway, if we continue back to our basic foods list, mm -hmm. uh, beans are another one that I think is good for anyone, even someone who's watching their carbs. Beans have such a ridiculously slow digestion, you know, um, their glycemic index, which is sort of a speed limit, how quickly uh, it rushes into the bloodstream, um, mm. is so low. You know, so you think like on a hundred scale, things that are very fast, like white bread would be, you know, in a very high number, let's say between 75 and 100. Things like oats or beans or apples are very low, and beans are the king. They're so slow-acting. They enter your bloodstream and change your blood glucose so slowly. I actually let people on very low-carbohydrate diets consume them, and it's still, um, it still works great. I mean, literally, you're talking on this 100-mile-per-hour speed limit scale, if you will. You know, numbers of like 12, you know, mm. 18. So uh, imagine a car going that slow. So anyway, beans are, are a, a great carbohydrate source because they're so, you know, uh, slow acting. 
Mm-hmm. Um, a couple other things on here. This next one is um, controversial, like the the grains, but that'd be low fat dairy. Um, you've got huge national groups pushing the dairy products: cottage cheese, milk, yogurt, um, because it's commercially you know advantageous for them. But dairy proteins really are very good proteins. I know some people really start to go off about milk, and you know we're the only species that consumes the milk from another species and all that sort of thing. But casein and whey uh, are very good proteins. Um, like a glass of milk is about 80% casein, 20% whey. Um, but what I want to do is take a look at whey because this is something that I'm becoming increasingly interested in. Uh, there are a number of papers coming out that the protein synthesis, because of the spike in amino acids that whey provides compared to casein, which is a slow protein that clots in your stomach, is really advantageous. I mean, really advantageous. One of the most extreme examples I saw was an Australian paper by Crib and colleagues. It's in the International Journal of Sports Nutrition and Exercise Metabolism. It's 2006. And I can almost not believe this, but what they did is they had these guys train for 10 weeks, and it said the whey isolate group achieved significantly greater gain in lean mass than the casein group. Mm. They said over t- 10 weeks, the whey group gained 10 pounds or over 10 pounds, 5 kilos of lean mass, and while they lost fat mass at the same time. That's almost unheard of. I mean, I, I got to think that, you know, most guys who could put on 10 pounds or 12 pounds in 10 weeks are not mid-level or advanced. You know, you're just not yeah, going to throw yeah. on mass that fast. Um, compared to the casing group that they said gained um, just 0.8 kilograms um and actually gained a very small amount of body fat. So yeah. really p- dramatically focusing on uh, whey isolates. And I've often consumed a casein whey blend, um, but I'm getting more and more interested in the straight whey. Now, like, what that, is... like I said, that, that paper, I don't know if, if that's going to pan out, You know, have great external validity. You're going to see other people just getting that kind of ridiculous gains, but... You know, uh, I am going to think I, I'm going to up the way specifically, especially because there's a new paper that just came out this year in the British Journal of Nutrition, 2012, by Yang and colleagues. And it actually showed that older guys, now these guys are 70, so they're quite old, but they needed 40 grams of whey uh, to get the same kind of response that younger guys got with 20 grams. And we were talking about this on the air the other day because I remember Phil saying, well, maybe I should, you know, count myself as an old guy then, you know, it's just so I get to eat more protein. But it's another example, and again, this is Stu Phillips and Mark Tarnopolsky and all those guys up at McMaster in Canada that are, you know, cranking out this data so good. Um, but so I'm actually getting a little bit more liberal. Um, you can get away with as little as 10 grams of whey protein with, you know, maybe twice that much carbohydrate, let's say, if you want to get a nice rise in muscle protein synthesis. And I mean, I actually know that from the same group um, from, I don't know, maybe five years ago. So you can do it as little as 10 grams, but... 20 is almost certainly superior, and 40 may be even better if you're middle-aged or old. Uh, <coughs> it's certainly not going to be a problem. So anyway, that's one of the things that I'm focusing on, too, is you know more protein in the form of a whey isolate, especially a whey hydrolysate. Again, if it's hydrolyzed, that means it's partly pre-broken down. So you can mix it with water, you can mix it with milk, whatever, um, but, you know, I'm really leaning in that direction. A couple questions for you, Lonnie. Now, what, back in the day, of course, there was, before kind of whey, um, 
protein supplementation. Al- albumin, then? How do you say that word? Yeah, albumin, just egg albumin. Yeah, now what is that? That's just egg white. Okay, it's, okay, okay. Yeah. The other question I want to ask, um, and I, I definitely want the answer to this one because I mean, it means to ask you this. When you're buying milk, you get either skim milk, 1%, 2%. What do you advise? What's the difference? What do you advise? I think it depends on your goal. I, I think if you're interested in fat loss, I probably wouldn't be chugging lots of milk, period. Because milk, I've always thought, oh, milk, that's 8 grams of protein per 8-ounce cup. you know. And I think of it like a protein, mostly casein. Um, but there's 12 grams of sugar in the form of lactose in there. Mm. And even if you're not lactose intolerant, that's still, you know, that's a lot of sugar. But for weight gain... I would probably go 1% or 2% milk, to be honest, mm-hmm. you know, and let yourself take in the additional calories. Right. I've actually had great um, response working with different athletes, uh, you know, getting them uh, protein shakes made with 2% milk or even some peanut butter or even something like a, a canola oil or something right. just, you know, to add to the calorie content. Well, now you're actually starting to enter into the uh, domain of um, – a lot of our listeners probably are not familiar with the name Vince Gironda, uh, oh, yeah. but you should be, and you probably should go and look a little bit of into your history. Vince Gironda, G-I-R-O-N-D-A. He's now passed on, um, but he's kind of was, I mean, he, he was of his day the guru of his day when there really weren't gurus. Yeah, he was pro-fat when everybody else was anti-fat. Yeah, I mean, this is, this is a guy that kicked a young Arnold Schwarzenegger out of his gym. Uh, in L.A. when he first came, calling out, called him a butterball and told him to get the hell out of the gym. Um, he kicked Clint Eastwood out of his gym once. Um, oh, my God. I yeah, didn't know Bob that. Kennedy, Bob Kennedy told me a story once where Clint Eastwood came in, and for whatever reason, he was pissing off Vince, and Vince told him to get the hell out of there, and he threw his money at him told him to get out. And, and, and Clint apparently uh, one day came back and sat on the hood of his car outside in the parking lot waiting for Vince to come out so he could apologize. So... This kind of tells you a little bit of the kind of person Vince. Now, Vince rubbed a lot of people the wrong way because he was extremely <laughs> brash. Old school uh, coach. Yeah like, yeah. Old, yeah, like brutal. Like Anyway, the point being is I'm kind of getting off track. But, yeah, check him out because he's a very colorful character in the in the history of, of weight training for sure. Um, you probably want to big agree. time, like heavy whipping cream, egg yolks. Yes, and that's, right? that's why I bring him up. You're, you're just saying the line that you're bringing up a lot of yeah, the things that he would – he wrote a column for many years in the original Muscle Mag, um, so Bob was very good friends with him. But, yeah, he was all about that, um, which is kind of strange because he was the opposite of us in a lot of ways. He hated things like squats and stuff, the traditional way, mm. because he didn't – you know he, he always believed in the, you know, the body being a beautiful thing and not wrecking the, the lines of the body with – you know, certain exercises that would maybe widen the waist or this type of thing. But anyway, so he, in a lot of ways, he you know he had he had very strong opinions that uh, he, again they're just opinions, right? It's, it's oh, yeah. not right or wrong. But and yes, of course, he, he was all over the muscle mags in the '80s. You know, when we were young, for sure, for sure. Yeah. And I mean, in his own right, he was quite a quite a a physical specimen in his own right when he was a young man. But um, yeah, he was all about that that whole um, you know um, drinking like whole milk and right. uh, and you know and that was just blasphemy. You know now I think a lot of people are coming full circles. Most dietitians will still tell you, of course. I mean, I am one, so I know. But you know they'll really be sort of down on the whole saturated fat thing. Um, but you know, saturated fat in fitness circles is getting a much more positive. Uh, outlook. If you look at different saturated fats, some raise your blood cholesterol, some don't. Um, there's some data by Steve Reichman and those guys down at Texas uh, actually suggesting that higher blood cholesterol may even help with muscle growth. So, you know, it's it's almost one of those things that sometimes Phil, I think, will agree with, which is, you know, high performance is not always about health and longevity. Right. You know, 
So. Yeah, and I mean, that's why I always use the analogy about, you know, like drag cars and stuff like that. I mean, these are not cars that, the engines are not built in those cars, you know, to, to uh, you know, drive mom and pop around to the store for, you know, 20 years. Um, those cars are meant to run hard, brutal, you know, with exceedingly exceptional performance. And then they have to be replaced or, you know, tuned, like every time they run them. I mean, that's, you know, and that's, I mean, so again, you have to look at, again, what are your priorities? Are your priorities just generalized health? Are your priorities to be, you know, something really truly remarkable for, you know, exactly. 10, 10 or 15 years? Well, and, hey, I should make a comment too, since we're talking about different fats. Uh, medium chain fats, medium chain triglycerides, or medium chain fatty acids, actually, is yeah. where they get their, um, their title. But. This is a good topic, by the way, because, yeah, because, I mean, back when you and I, Lonnie, were um, kind of coming through our, you know, uh, original years, certainly one of the big supplementation things was, you know, branch chain amino acids. It was, and, stuff, I'll, so. and I'll tell you, branch chains and then medium chain fatty acids, MCTs, and I remember Perillo used to sell them. In John Perillo, yeah. Yeah, an orange-flavored, like, uh, yeah. heavy, oily cream stuff, and it was actually kind of tasty. Uh, MCTs, I think you'll find in muscle milk and some other things, too. They give things a nice flavor. That's usually lauric acid, which is a medium-chain triglyceride. It is saturated fat, and yes, some studies say it increases blood cholesterol. But your body digests medium-chain fat very differently from usual long-chain fat, like you know the, the palmitate or the stearate that you'll get in uh, you know, different kind of oils and meats. So anyway, the point being is, if you're really interested in that, uh, I actually wrote a book chapter for the NSCA um, the National Strength and Conditioning Association uh, last year, year before, I don't remember, about dietary fats. And one of the points I was trying to make is I think people missed the mark because in the 80s and 90s, everybody said, oh, if you eat more than 20 grams of that stuff, 15 or 20 grams, you get diarrhea, sort of, you know, and you can't yeah, digest that much. that was the big thing, yeah. Yeah, but the problem with all that is I think we were barking up the wrong tree because all the exercise fizz people were trying to get people to get boosted running performance immediately after ingestion, like you might with a Gatorade-type fast-acting carbohydrate. And the real beauty of those things is that they're fairly clean-burning um, so calorie source. So if you're interested in gaining weight along with other healthy fats like olive oil or handfuls of mixed nuts and peanut butter and the stuff we were talking about before, is at, consider adding some MCTs. Now, there's no guarantee that it's gonna, none of it will become body fat, but I'm telling you, your body digests it differently. Gastric lipase is a big deal in its digestion. Usually your pancreas is kicking out its lipase to digest most fats. Anyway, your liver metabolizes a lot of it. It is quite different. And now, interestingly, and I'm looking for supplement companies to start to do this, start synthesizing MCTs, like sticking them onto a, a traditional glycerol backbone and making what are called structured triglycerides, I'd be very interested to see that because then you could take enough to get bigger doses in you without diarrhea. Uh, some Japanese researchers are doing this even now. So look on the market in the future for things like structured triglycerides. I know some supplement companies are very interested in special carbohydrates that are less fattening too, but structured triglycerides with MCTs as part of their uh, fatty acid structure, very interesting stuff. Uh, one of these days I'm going to come out with that myself if, if nobody's going to come out with it because I've been saying it for years. But You know, I want to I make some uh, a point of something you're saying about diarrhea and the runs, as they call them. Um, you know, I know it's not a pleasant uh, <laughs> topic of discussion at the best of times, but but truthfully, people, I mean, if you if if you're a bodybuilder or a powerlifter or any you know are pursuing this with even a degree of seriousness, you're going to have to at some point accept that as you go, 
you're going to have to really experiment with your tolerances, not only with what you're eating, but the amounts you're eating and the frequency you're eating it. Because um, everybody, or even the supplements, like if you make something too strong, exactly. like a whey powder or a creatine. Yeah. I mean, it was something. I mean, we used to make jokes back in the, the Peach Ranger days. I remember. I'm sure you'll remember, Lonnie. We used to call you know creatine crea splats. Yes, I was just going to say that. Um, right. You know, and, and you know what could result in Lonnie running to the bathroom, folks, might not have any effect on me and vice versa. I mean, people really, I mean, if there's something, I mean, Lonnie's the, the expert on this, but it's certainly observationally, I can tell you that if there's anything I've learned about all this type of diet stuff is that if you are serious about this thing, um, you really are going to have to accept to a certain degree that, you know, it's, it's, it's a, a long winding road of finding out, again, what your personal tolerances are. Right, because you're going to be shoveling lots of food and right. supplements into your body, and right. at some point, something's not going to agree. Right, and I mean, that happens, you know, even to guy veterans like Lonnie and I, that still happens to me on occasion. I'll, I'll realize that, you know, a specific food, or like I say, a, a specific food of, and its frequency or amount just doesn't jive with me in a certain way, um, and that's okay. You just have to kind of, again, I mean, uh, you know, whether you actually physically write it down or just make mental notes of, of those types of things. And it's very handy to know because <laughs> we all have to live in this world and we all have to, you know, have responsibilities that aren't just going to the gym and then otherwise staying at home and having a toilet 10 feet from us. So. Right. Yeah, because even, even when you're digesting things properly, yeah, when you're shoveling food like an off-season bodybuilder or a powerlifter, yeah, you're going to you're going to be on the john more than yeah. more than most people are. Just I mean literally most people I think they go once a day or every every other day or something and I mean well, I've heard, definitely yeah. two three times a day. No, know, I, I was going to say more, I, I, I don't been, know. I I've been mortified when I've heard some, you know, girls that telling me that they go like two or three times a week and stuff. I'm just I I I mean Again, I mean, this is just, you know, I'm not trying to be in the gutter with this conversation, but I mean, certainly it's when I'm eating like a, like a maniac, it's not unusual for me to be in the bathroom five or six times a day on that. So, Well, it's just, it, you know, in some ways I got to think it's healthier to keep moving through too, especially getting right. the fiber in your diet and stuff and, you know, oatmeal and apples, all the things we've been talking about keeps things moving through. And that's actually good because when things get locked in your colon and they sit in contact with the colon wall, People need to realize your large intestines or your colon, that's the number one site for cancer. You get polyps and, you yeah. know, people don't get checked in time. And, you know, it's really a, a fairly carcinogenic kind of tissue. So keep things moving through. I, I got to think it's much healthier than the average American who just wolfs down bologna and hot dogs and no fiber and it just sits there. Right. Yeah. And, and this is what I'm saying. So, I mean, th this is why when you leave such an active lifestyle in this, in this way, um, you really do become a master at your own body, you know, in ways that sedentary folk non-athletic folk really never do. Um, you really do have started to become an, have an idea of how you react to not just food. I'm talking about everything, how you respond to it, like, like, like rest and sleep. And well, you have to monitor and, yourself. You have the, I think the average person doesn't monitor themselves in any way. You know? Right. I mean, so you become a, really a master of yourself. Like, you, can, you, know, you get very good and, and intuitive about that's something I might want to see my doctor about. That's not something that I should worry too much about. This might take two weeks. I think this will be all right. I can train this still. That I probably shouldn't. I mean, all these types of things, you become a master at yourself. All right. So before we let you go this week. Uh, I'm just going to touch on the fast food list, and Rob and I can share some of our favorite stuff, oh, yeah. uh, and pre-mid-post-workout uh, nutrition. Often referred to as the window of opportunity. Absolutely. Or <laughs> peri-workout nutrition is something that came out in an interview I did with Lou Schuler years ago, and now it's really spread. I mean, peri just meaning you know all around the workout. But let's look at the fast food list. One of my favorites, and I do this all the time, my family laughs about this, but is Chipotle. I'll get a burrito, 
there. Some, I mean, if you, I suppose, if you wanted to uh, cut down on the calories, because those things are probably over a thousand calories a piece, you could hold the rice or the cheese off of them if you wanted to. But I think it's fantastic. It's whole food. It's fresh food. You know, I'll get both kinds of beans, pintos and black beans, on those things. Tons of chicken. You know, um, guacamole. Now, is this a know. fast? Is this a fast food joint in the states? Yeah, uh, yeah, they make very fresh. It's not like Taco Bell where everything seems very processed and salty. It's very fresh, huge, fast food, whole, huge burritos. And I'll tell you, you knock back two of those, you're on your path to gain, baby. And what's the name of the place? Chipotle. Oh, I C-H-I-P-O-T-L-E. Okay, yeah, yeah. it's good stuff, man. I know people, most people who hear me talk about that, they're going to be like, oh, yeah. So you, can, you guys can have a shout-out on our Facebook page if uh, if you like Chipotle. But yeah. um, Taco Bell... Uh, they have a fresco menu. I don't know if it's as exciting as the Chipotle stuff, but um, I would think if you're going to go somewhere like a, a fast food joint, like a McDonald's or a Burger King or a Wendy's or a Harvey's up there in Canada, yep. you know, I know Rob, you and I were big fans of just getting n- not so much just dry, but no goop burgers. You know, maybe yeah. a little ketchup or mustard or pickle or some onions, but just a nice double or triple at Harvey's. And that's why I like uh, yeah, Harvey's. Is, it's easy franchise here in Canada, but because you can just get a burger, and you can get like two or three patties or whatever, um, and then they just, of course, ask you what you want on it, and you could just, you know, I'll just get like, you know, a, a pickle onions and some, you know, some lettuce kind of a thing. Right. And I'll not t- all these like Italian uh, dressing and mayo and all this goop dripping out of it, you know, because essentially you're there for the meat, and the meat's fatty enough that it's going gonna, it's gonna to be juicy anyway. I mean, the equivalent to Harvey's down here would be a Hardee's or Wendy's probably. Yeah, and you that's know. why I've always maintained um, that I think most well, most people lose out when they go to fast food just because they're sedentary folks and they have really no outlet to, you know, initiate any sort of betterment of their physique. You know. Yeah, they're not putting the calories to work. Exactly, but, I'm, but where people lose um, otherwise, even for just people like us, you know, who, who actually do get off our butts and go do things – is that is through things like the the fries and the and the coke right and the, I mean those things are all yummy for sure. You know, Rob, I only have two things on my too dirty even for a bulk list. One of them is sugar, and one of them is deep fried food. Yeah, you know. Yeah, no, that's bad news. I mean, and you know, once in a while, for sure, you treat yourself. You, you say, you know what, screw it. I'm just going to get some of those fries today because I haven't had fries for three months or whatever. No problem. Oh, sure, a treat. Exactly. Yeah. But, but not I mean, part of your training diet. No, but that came, as far as, like, you know, you're talking about pizzas and that, yes, I think pizzas are wonderful, but I would say if I had a secret, you know, I hate to say it, but secret weapon in my diet over the years, it's been my allowance, my ability to, to allow myself to go and have a hamburger like that. And, yeah, I, I don't, you know, um, you know, upsize it with the Coke and all that crap. I just get the no. burgers, you know, and you, and like I said, Lonnie and I many, many, many times have done this. You know, you just go and you have a black coffee and some and some just burgers, you know, Big and burger, yeah, just a double burger, no cheese, no mayo, just just meat, you know. Yeah. So Bring it's, and I mean, you know, and that's a great meal. I mean, because think about it, you're out. I mean, again, alluding to what I was talking about earlier, this is real life, you know, and people are on the road in real life where the where they're thinking, geez, you know, I really should have some calories in me right now. And you know, In my- fact, Rob, I would say pizza is probably my number one recovery food. Pizza is amazing. You know, carbs, 
uh, you know, I'll get like chicken on there or vegetables or some other things just to, you know, health it up a little, but not always, you know, sometimes it's just, you want to get the sodium and the carbs and just everything back in your body. It's so repleting, which is really Um, funny when you're talking about the sodium, just (laughs) because so many people are, you know, with this kind of bodybuilding centric mentality, sort of in you know, the Western part of the world, you know, Oh, sodium, hold water. I don't want to do that. I'm thinking, you know, why wouldn't you want to be in the gym on squat day? Retaining some water. Holding some water. <laughs> I mean, doesn't that seem... In my experience, this sounds a little sexist, but I think most guys can enjoy some water retention, whereas most girls probably not so much, okay. at least in my experience. Right. But, yeah, you're, you're right. I mean, literally, water retention, you know, you're, I'm not going to go on this tirade about, you know, uh, endocrinology, but you have hormones, regulatory hormones, that will, sh- you know, help shed that extra water and, and get rid of the extra sodium and stuff. Sometimes there's a 24 to 36-hour lag, but, you know, water gain and loss is a day-to-day kind of thing. And let's face it, if you're very, very lean, it's, it's, then, you know, you're getting ready on stage, you're going to start to manipulate these things, but you can't really worry about it because if you're eating from our basic foods list and you're having whole fruits and whole vegetables, frozen veg, by the way, is just as good as, as, uh, fresh veg and, you know, lean meats and all these things, you, you don't have the ridiculous 5,000 milligram kind of sodium bucket load that the average American has. So if you need to take some in, do it, you know, in the form of pizza or something. Right. So. Yeah, you know, and it's funny you're saying about the pizza because I, I've always said the same type of thing. I mean, sometimes when you train so intensely and so hard, you do replete yourself to such a degree. You. Yeah, you can really get strung out. I mean, bad. Flat. And it, yep. sometimes it's like you're, you know, I mean, the analogy has always been made, you know, like your body's like a sponge soaks things up. But literally, I mean, you can almost feel it when your body is. You can't. You don't get a pump. Yeah, you know, your body you is no begging vasculature for, for everything. It's not begging for one thing. It's begging for everything. It wants water. It wants. It wants everything. I mean, Lonnie and I, you and I have, ta- I have talked about. Sometimes you just gets. I I love pop, but I don't drink a lot of pop. Um, but there's some times where you'll be like, you'll come, it, it's like, you know, June, and you're having a two o'clock in the afternoon squat session, and you're, you've been sweating like a maniac for two hours, and you're, you're, you're done, and you're driving home, and it's not like you're having a craving for Coke or something like that because yeah. of the taste, but you crave it just because, I guess, of all the sugar and stuff, you know what I mean? And when you yeah, go and I you, think the average person does n- never experiences what it's like to be completely glycogen depleted. Yeah. About two to three hours will completely waste the glycogen in your liver and muscles, and the average man will never feel that, yeah. you know. So, so yeah, uh, I mean, I've done it before. I mean, the last summer, I remember, I had a specific day where I was driving home from the gym, and I thought to me, it was hot summer day, and I thought to myself, it wasn't even like I was consciously thinking about it. I was passing, a, a, like, a, a variety store, and I thought, I just pulled in, you know what I mean? And I walked in, I, walked, I grabbed a Coke Classic, and I can, and I literally sat in my car, and it was gone. I, I'm not even lying. It was just gone. annihilated. It was gone it. in 12 seconds. It was gone. And yeah. you know what? I needed it because I right. Well, that's different. Still, we'll talk about that with milkshakes sometimes too. You know, unapologetic, and you know all these things. These things they break the sugar rule, but that's because these are desperate and uh, well purposeful. You know, right. uh, intakes of these kinds of things. You know, something sugary and just get yourself back on track. So. Yeah. Uh, one last thing before we wrap up here today, I just want to make a quick comment about the peri workout period. Pre workout foods. Uh, it's funny when I work with collegiate athletes, they usually consume a pregame meal like four hours before the meet. And to me, I mean, as a physiologist, that's not even pregame. That's some other time. I mean, if you're going to be, you know, piling down a solid big meal. 
So one of the things I would I would argue is that you should have some kind of snack, you know, within that four hour window. Again, unless it's a big meal, but if you don't eat a lot in that pre four hour period, some kind of slow acting carbs, a little bit of protein would be best. If you just have no appetite and you're trying to get your head in the game, at least you know, I mean, you could sip a sports drink if you had to, something to maintain your blood sugar. Because believe it or not, as simple as it is, I know sports drinks are just sugar water sold at a premium price, but it will actually calm down stress hormones and a catabolic inflammatory cytokines, they're called, in your body. Huh. And so these kinds of things can help today and over time, you know, as you're not co- continually stressing yourself beyond the training. So I, I like some kind of small snack, you know, within a one or two hours or, you know, uh, or even the, the one hour before you go to the gym. If, if you can get a little something in you and a little bit of protein, I mean, there was some early data that protein before uh, resistance exercise may be even better than protein after. So the easy way to address that is just to get some in before and after, right. you know, I mean, make sure it's e- easily digestible kinds of things. It, it, it's agreeable to you. But and then post-workout, people sometimes will ask, well, how much protein and carb do I need? Well, that depends on your goals. If you're trying to gain weight, I'd say two to one carbs to protein or right up to four to one carbs to protein you've got to bring in the calories because carbs are the fuel um and you know to replenish your glycogen too uh so you know you might be talking about like um i don't know 80 grams of carbs and 20 grams of protein something like that or maybe you go up to 40 grams of protein um so i would say anywhere between a one to one to a four to one ratio of carbs to protein uh, depending on your goals. Again, if you're trying to get very lean, I might keep it more like a one-to-one. You know, have yourself 30 or 40 grams of protein, 30 or 40 grams of carbs, you know, and then you're replenished so you can get back at it. You know, I'm not going to get into the nuances of uh, how long the post-workout window lasts. Suffice it to say that it doesn't slam shut two hours <laughs> after exercise. Right, yeah. You know, well, um, and it's funny because I remember that whole when that whole kind of um, – that term came to be kind of the, the bandied about kind of term at, at the time, and, and there was all that talk about you know this is this is the window and we yeah, get slammed shut after this point in time and and yeah it just doesn't make sense from a from a biology standpoint yeah from a yeah. being logical about it again I'm not I don't understand I'm, I I went didn't go to school for all this stuff but it, it just doesn't seem logical that the body would function that way. You know, that it, it is. You do have increased enzyme activity, and it's, it's a good time if you want to rapidly, right? You know, get yourself right. reset. But if you're not going to train again until tomorrow, it's it's a little less critical. The, the protein's very important, I would say. But even the protein synthesis trigger is going to be elevated for 24 to 36 hours after you train. So you know, uh, and again, you want to start start things back as soon as possible so you right. can just get more overall. Well, and, and and without question, I've always noticed, and I certainly noticed that other people will say the same thing. Um, if you have a particularly intense workout and you want to feel the next day not like complete crap, um, it's certainly because a lot of people might think to themselves, "Oh, you know, I'm not training tomorrow, so I can kind of slack off a bit." And like you say, that, that that might be to a degree true. But if you if you want to wake up the next day and not feel completely obliterated, um, still to a more at least a marginal degree, take your nutrition seriously, even on. You know, after the workouts on days where you're not going to be training for another day or two. It's true. I'll tell you, during my last year of adventures in powerlifting, I really haven't been, you know, prescribing a diet for myself. I'm sort of, you know, eating as much as I can when I can. But I'm the kind of person I need to have a little bit more uh, schedule built in to make sure that I'm getting enough. You know, and I've been sort of skipping some of maybe these windows of opportunity and whatnot. Well, Lonnie's Lonnie's a a very typical uh, professor. 
folks in this way because I've you know been around Lonnie a lot, and he, you're one of those guys. You're very singularly focused when you're like in school. You're correct. You're grading papers and your stuff because I've been with you when you're doing these types of things. Sometimes you know, and then then it almost becomes too late with you. You'll be like, I'm, you know, I'm getting salty. I need to eat right now. Like, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, exactly. Probably had to I get eat focused. Like an hour ago. But yeah. um, and that's that's not a bad trait to have. It's just you know when it comes to eating, you know, again, people depending on the type of person you are, the type it is of personality type, you know. personality type, the, the kind of lifestyle you lead. Are you usually like a you know static in a place? Do you move around a lot? Are you in a car? I mean, these are all things you have to take into consideration. And uh, I mean, everything is what you can work around anything. You can. There's Tupperware. There's I mean, there's so many different things that you can do. So never feel down on your particular yeah. portable foods are one of my favorite tricks. You know, uh, granola, high fiber granola stuff in the car or something. You know, bring yeah. stuff with you. Exactly. So everybody's okay. situation is is unique, but uh, make yours work for you, and you can do that if you just put a little bit of thought to it. All right, I'm going to leave everybody with one final thought because okay. we are out of time, and that's check out the recipes in our article library. Um, let me just read you some of these if I can draw you in. This is um, berry and oat bran pancakes with eggs. Uh, I've got uh, low-fat breakfast burritos on here, <clears throat> no-bake chocolate oatmeal cookies. Those no-bakes are great. They're very easy to make for uh, you know uh, more weight gain kinds of meals. We've got hearty meat and potatoes. Uh, here's another snack, sugar-free pudding with chocolate protein powder in it, Mediterranean stir-fry. Go check this stuff out, Chick- chicken, beef, and veggie fajitas. I mean, I've got pictures. I broke down all of the nutrients, how many calories and grams of protein, carbs, and fat. This is all free. Go score it. <laughs> so anyway, uh, yeah, the recipes are in our article library. Feel free to download it it's in a Microsoft Word format. And just lastly, I'll just leave you with this that we did at the beginning – um, we are doing that spring drive. We do all this stuff for free. So if you have the funds or you know someone who might, $4 a month, as I joke in the uh, the ad at the end of the show, it's less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees. So you could support some better programming and, and free stuff for everybody, including your brothers in iron who might not be able to have the money to do it. All right. We'll see you next week, everybody. All right. Thanks for listening. Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like what we do, the professors, the scientists, the bodybuilding show promoters, the athletes themselves in powerlifting and bodybuilding, um, please consider making a donation or maybe buying something from the ironradio.org store. Uh, We also are accepting supporting members. So for $4 a month, which is frankly less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees, you can step up and support a form of sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community. Hey, IronRadio.org listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry, and I'm just bringing you a sneak peek only for Iron Radio listeners at this point. If you Google CRC Press, Lowry, L-O-W-E-R-Y, and Protein You can be some of the first people on the planet to see this book. It's specifically for strength athletes. Everything on the safety of high-protein diets, the efficacy, the dosing, the types, practical applications, and case studies. This is a textbook. It's not what I would call an industry book. This is not pseudoscience. This is the -the state-of-the-art science 
And if someone wants to critique you on your extra protein intake, this will be something you can hold up and say, this is what the liter literature says about stressed kidneys or bone loss or gout or dehydration or increased muscle mass over time or leanness or what types are best. This is the ultimate source in one place. Little disclosure here, I do make a single digit percentage of royalties on this book. It's such a low amount, however, obviously I haven't done it for that purpose. I did it because like you, I wanna have something I can hold up in one place that's modern literature instead of what a, perhaps a health educator might tell you about the benefits and the potential concerns, if there are any, on ample protein diets specific to a population like ours. Thank you. The Iron Radio Podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.